Welcome to this day that the Lord has made. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the amazing work that we're doing all around the world. You can go to traincpe.org, or you can follow our links at our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho. And it's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word. Today we continue to share a message of peace sent out during our time of quarantine. This message was delivered preaching to a computer screen and into a table mic. But God is here with us even in this. And we're in John chapter 14 verses 27 through 29 where Jesus says, Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. This is the peace that Jesus gives. It's the peace of existential wholeness, and it's the peace of transcendent relationship with the all-loving God. Where the world offers you circumstantial, temporary, and shallow dishes of peace, God offers a constant feast of a substantial, eternal, core, satisfying peace. It's what Jesus is offering. It's a peace you need, and that most in the world today are without. Existentially holistic, this peace that is bringing us into a transcendent love relationship with God. And Jesus says, I give it to you. Now listen, he gives it, but you have to receive it. And to receive it, you have to acknowledge, I don't have it without him. I do not have this peace. I don't have this satisfying peace without him. To receive what he gives, you have to recognize, I can't earn it. I can't work for it. I can't merit it. You don't work for what's given. You receive it with an empty hand, as needed, as necessary. You're going to have to honestly look in your life, and you're going to have to say, and you're going to have to surmise that I've never come close to realizing in my life the peace that Jesus Christ is offering me right now at this moment. There are many of you who are listening that are saying amen because they know the moment came when they understood they didn't have this peace. They understood that their sin was mounting up against them and their life was draining out and emptying out and everything that they'd put in their lives trying to bring satisfaction and fulfillment still left an aching void. And in a moment they cried out to Jesus Christ to come and forgive them of their sins and to enter into their lives and pour into them himself And he came into them as peace, as reconciliation with God, as completeness and wholeness because he filled the void in their being with his infinite life and love. And they had peace for the first time. And if you've never realized that, you can have that. You can receive it. It's a gift that Christ is offering. You just have to acknowledge to him that you need it and you don't have it. And by the way, what that is called, that's called repentance. And what that's called is faith. Jesus, I don't have the peace that you offer and I'll never be able to achieve it on my own. Everything that I've gone to, whether it's been uh, to build my character or the kind of person I've tried to be or whether it's been to indulge myself in pleasures, whatever I've sought for peace, it's left me coming up short and wanting. God, forgive me for not seeking peace completely And only from you, I come empty-handed and I receive 
what you would give. Only forgive me and give me yourself. And in that moment, you receive the peace that Jesus Christ was offering. God loves you. God loves sinners. God is a just God at the same time and he has to punish sin. So what does God do? He goes to a cross and he dies in your place for your sins. And he receives in himself the punishment that you deserve for your sin in order that in its place he might give you himself, his resurrected self as your peace. And this is exactly what the Lord Jesus is offering his disciples just before he goes to the cross. And this is what he offers you having gone to that cross and risen for your sake. The peace of his own life. But it's up to you to receive it. And if you received it, having received Christ, I can only say, keep coming back for more and more and more of his peace. Please, don't find your comfort in the temporary shallow offerings of this age and, this, and circumstantial offerings of this age. You've learned better. Go back to him. Find all of your peace and all of your comfort, confidence in Christ alone. Here's the second thing I want you to notice here, just quickly, is that Jesus is offering this peace even though he knows there's sorrows ahead because he also knows the triumph that's behind all of our sorrows. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now he's saying that to disciples who are just about to watch their savior or their Messiah or their rabbi be arrested in a garden, taken away and put on trial and beaten and then crucified on a cross and buried in a grave. And to them he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why does he say it? Because he knows that trouble is coming to them and great fear is coming to them. But he speaks in advance because he also knows what it is he's going to offer them. What it is that he's going to give him, give to them. In our scripture reading, we read Isaiah chapter 53. And in Isaiah chapter 53, we saw the portrait of this one who would come and be like a lamb that would go to the slaughter for us that would die and be wounded and bruised for our iniquities and our transgressions. And we read through the chapter and then we came after this lamb dies and suffers. We came to this interesting point in the passage at the very end of the passage where this one that died seems to live again. And he lives to distribute to us all of his blessings that he won for us in his death. Actually, Take your Bibles and go to Isaiah 53. And let me read to you verses 10 through 12. And this portrait of a suffering Savior who dies in our place for our sins, and yet after his death, has his days prolonged, and he prospers under God's hand and through God's blessing, and distributes benefits to those that he dies for. Let's read it. Verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he will see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge the, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted as righteous. 
and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall, this is after he's borne their iniquities, this is after he suffered, this is after he's died. I will apportion with, I will divide with him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil or the plunder with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Here's one in this passage who dies to gain a victory and yet lives again to distribute the plunder or the benefits or the spoils of that victory with those that he makes strong. Now, if you look at John chapter 14, what you'll see is the Lord Jesus presiding over that whole chapter as if he was that resurrected one who had gone through the tortures of the cross and risen again and was beginning to distribute the plunder and the victory that he'd won for those who trusted and believed in him and would receive his gift of peace. You'll see at the very beginning of the passage of John chapter 14 that he promises to all of his disciples and those who believe in him the peace of an everlasting or eternal home and a reunion with him forever. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And the next thing he does is he begins to promise them this this opening up in which he would be the pathway in which they come into an unending relationship with God and that he himself would be the one who would bring them not only into the presence of God, but would be God the Father to them. So he says in verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And in verse 9 he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what's he doing? He's saying to his disciples at this very moment, look at me. You put your focus on me. I am your peace. I am your security. I am your comfort. I am the satisfying answer to your deep need to live in relationship with God. And I'm offering it to you. The third thing that he teaches disciples as you go through that chapter is that their faith is going to be strong if they'll put it in him. And even if he becomes absent from him, at that moment, their faith will become even stronger. In verses 12 and 13, this is what he says. He that believes on me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I'm going to go away. But I am going to glorify God in you and through you. You ask in my name and I'll be at work in your life. And I'll be at work through your life. You can trust in it. It's a part of the spoil or plunder that I'm going to give you because of the victory I'm going to win when I go to the cross. The fourth thing that the Lord Jesus promises to give and distribute at this moment in time is the gift of his Holy Spirit as another self, as one that would come to them and express the life of his own life within them. And so verses 20, 16 through 20 of John chapter 14, let me read those to you. Jesus says this, this to his disciples, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter or helper. And the word another there in the Greek means another of the exact same kind that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Keep in mind that the Lord Jesus is about to go and die in dereliction on the cross. But just before he goes, even before he goes into all this suffering, anticipating his conquering over death, he begins to, in a sense, give out promissory notes and distribute the comforts and the plunder and the bounty of what he's to accomplish on the cross. He knows the sorrow that you're going into, but he also knows the victory that he's going to accomplish. I don't know how this event is going to turn out. And I don't know what you're going to experience in this event. And I don't know what sorrows and difficulties you're going to experience in the future, nor that I'm going to experience. But I know this. Jesus Christ, out of the triumph of his cross, offers me a peace that will overwhelm all of that suffering and all that difficulty so that all this hardship and all this unknown difficulty cannot be compared with the glory that will be yet revealed in me because of the peace that Jesus Christ won on the cross. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.